0: Well, good morning, all. Hope you're doing good. Hope it's not too, too chilly for you. It is for me. As a Salvadoran, I'll never get used to this, no, many, no matter how many layers I'm wearing. <laughs> um, so, yes, Dan said I'm going to try to share something about the Last Supper. And I've been thinking about it the whole week. Um, and there's, not, I'm not, there's a couple of things that come out. And if you read a lot, you'd like to read the Bible. If you look to those little... Uh, specific sections below. There's so much about it. But I'm going to try to focus just in two things, uh, in two examples about being a Christian. Because as Christians, we strive for something, right? We strive for salvation. We strive to be better. We strive to please. We strive to do too many things. But sometimes in the the day-to-day, a lot of things happen, right? Like, um, I don't know, work is not great. The kids are noisy. Maybe... They get a little bit nosier by the end of the day. They sugar. well, you know. But um, so we're going to start with two examples of how to be a Christian. And then I'm going to try to pivot back into how being a Christian compares to the Last Supper itself. So my first great example is going to be, oh, sorry. Did we read the passage then? We didn't. Okay, let me read the passage first, and then we can talk about the two examples I have for you. So our passage is going to be Mark 14, verses 12 to 31. It's going to be Mark 14, 12 to 31. So it says, The Passover with the disciples. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at a table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. This is the word of God. So this is, a, well, I found a little bit long passage, but it's talking about many things. Right, One thing is they go to, to celebrate Passover, which I'm going to focus a little bit towards the end. Um, they have the meal, and then Jesus makes this shocking revelation. One of you is against me. One of you is going to betray me. Then we go through the supper itself, the last supper, the institution he made at that moment, and then we talk about the Peter's denial and how he foreshadows that everyone is going to betray him. So our first great Christian example from here that I want to talk about is Judas. Yeah, I know, that Judas. Not the other Judas, this Judas. And the, the reason I want to talk about Judas is, um, I think he checks a lot of the boxes for what we normally think as a Christian person or someone that does Christian things. For one of them, it's in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 3, which is he's in the list of the 12. He is a, a disciple. He's a apostle. He's not written out. He's not, like, he's not uh, stricken there. It actually says Judas is an apostle. What does that mean to us? Like when we think of an apostle, what do we think about? What do you usually think of an apostle or a disciple of the Lord, part of the 12? Maybe we think, oh, they must be holy. Or at the very least, do we think this person was very much in touch with Jesus. Very close. We, from what we have read in the Gospels, and we have read a lot of the Gospels, we talk about it a lot, it's very much implied that they go with him everywhere, they share with him meals, um, they talk with him, they discuss about the Bible, they reflect about what's going to come. So Judas was a complete apostle. He was there, part of the Twelve. And not only that, it seems he even had a position inside the church. I think in John chapter 12, he mentions It's mentioned that he's in charge of the money bag. So he was the treasurer, or I don't know how it's called in English. But um, he he has, that he's there. He's even in the closer circle. Like, he's given all the money that's being uh, raised, and he's giving it back to people. Now, it also says in the Bible that he was uh, helping himself a little bit with that money. (laughs) But still, he's there. He's checking all those boxes. He's serving. He's there with Jesus every single time. And even though we, don't, we, even though we know this, in Mark Mark makes an emphasis a little bit on this closeness issue. He goes a little bit and says in verse 18, the one who is eating with me. So this time Jesus is saying, yes, he's an apostle, but he's close. Like He's not like, oh, the one apostle, he's always like in the back. And no, no, no. He's close to me. He's eating with me. And then on verse 20, he's saying, the one who's dipping bread into the dish with me. I don't know about you guys, and I'm not sure of the complete cultural context, but you dip in the bread in someone else's plate. you got to be close. you got to be close. Like with Tanya, when I met Tanya and we were even not dating, I dared to pick up fry from her plate. Um, that didn't went well. Like, you're just friends there. So if you're dipping your bread into someone else's plate, that implies a lot of closeness. So here Mark is like literally double down. Like, hey, twice I'm telling you, Judas was close, close. Very much close to him. But the reason I put him to, for, as an example is, did that closeness to Jesus, that walking with him, going to all the sermons, going to... He was there for the Beatitudes. Um, being there all the time, did that gain him salvation? Did that give him anything? Was he saved? Did that change his heart? And this is like something that, that's personal to me because as Dan has said, I had the, the blessing the opportunity to serve in another church back in my home country in Osalbadoo. Uh, my wife and I served, for, served there for eight years, more or less, and different things uh, Sunday school and the kids and singing and all that. But the question is, is, is that really changing you? Is that really going to give you salvation? Have you felt that way? Have you ever given back? Because that's, that's very new now. Like, oh, be green, give back to the community, go out there, uh, soccer nights, serve. But is that really doing something to you? Have you felt tired after it? and just tired, nothing more than that? Have you, I think it's some, sometimes it's a little bit uh, more difficult with family sometimes, like maybe a, f- a brother, a sister, your mom, your dad. I don't know how your relationship with your family, but for personally, uh, with my parents, I have like a tense relationship. I love them. I love them dearly. They're the parents that God gave me, and I, I, I have a lot of, of love to them, but they're not exactly easy to hang out with. And when they ask me a favor, it's very tough on me. And I go and I do something for them. And after when I do something for them, I don't feel like, oh, yes, this is the salvation I wanted. This is going to, like, clean me. All this help I gave to my parents is going to clean me. Oh, no. There's so much history. There's so much going on. So this is the first thing I want to talk about, Judas. He's a great example of actions don't necessarily are going to match the salvation. And if you're here, I'm guessing you at least have a little desire of salvation. That little longing of like, I want something more. I want something that takes me a little bit, takes me to another place of where I am right now. So um, Judas, even though he was very much close, is not giving him the thing maybe he was wanting. Or I'm not sure what he wanted because it was clear he wanted 30 pieces of silver. That was clear enough in the Bible. But, um, yep, so actions, I don't think they lead too much to salvation. So that's example number one, our dear Judas. Now, our example number two is going to be Peter. Now, Peter is something different, right? Like, I think there's a lot of things talking about Peter. And actually, I want to ask you guys, like, you could help me. Do you recall any specific, like, passage about Peter? For example, I don't know. Oh, Peter did this in the Bible. Could you help me with that? Someone could volu- Please volunteer. And say, so like, oh, I remember this thing about Peter in the Bible. He did this or that. He cut off a guy's ear. He off a guy's ear. <laughs> yes, yes. That's one of the ones I remember last night. I was like, oh, yeah. He was, he was brave. What else? He focused, on, right. he focused a lot on Christ. Yeah, 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 but both. Both are great. He walk on water. That's not a simple thing. I don't know if has been repeated often. <laughs> and if it has been repeated, I will put it into question. Um, he's a lot with Jesus. You're correct. There's a lot of passages in which, like, Peter said to Jesus. Jesus said to Peter. Like, this one-on-one conversation, It's a lot of them in the Bible. That's true. Uh, might be another guy. In uh, he, was he was called out. Yes, he was the leader became, with Paul. Yes, yes. So, yes, he was a big leader in the church, right? Alongside Paul, which was another big leader in the church. And he was there and he was setting an example, and people looked to him and asked him, Hey, what are you doing? That's correct. So, yeah, so Peter is not like a small character in the Bible. He's like one of the big ones. He's a, a big example for us, and he, he stands out for so many things. So, um, in verse 27, Jesus says, um, and Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. All. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But, I'm, but after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And then Peter took it personal. Because Jesus said, all. All of you are going to fall. All. And then Peter said, uh-uh. Even though they all, you guys are, fall away. All of you fall away. Me, Peter, I will not. Mm Mm-mm. That won't happen. And then Jesus said to him, again, truly I tell you, after this and that, you will. Like, I'm telling you. Like, I'm Jesus, man. Like, come on. So, I'm telling you. And then Peter is, the Bible said, but he said emphatically. So, he put emphasis on this. He said, no, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. So so Peter was being, again, twice, he's making an emphasis and saying, Hey, I will not stop loving you. My love for you is great. My love for you is so great that it's above all of them, the ones that fail. That's how my love is for you. And then he says, even if I had to die, that's how big my love for Jesus is. Even if I, I had to die, I will not deny you. So for me, uh, Judas, as I talked first, he's all about the actions, right? He's always there, all the sermons, all the service, he holds a position in church of trust. He has all the things that match. And even then, that didn't give him any salvation, any redemption, nothing. Now Peter, on the other hand, he's all love for Jesus. He's being captivated by him. He was called by him. He feels this eternal love for Jesus. But then again, Jesus is being very clear, and we know this. Like if we read a little bit further into Mark, he denies Jesus. So where is this love? Where is this love that he like had? So was it real love? Was it, or was he lying? There's no implication, like there's no, like we can conjecture a lot of things about the Bible. We can try to imagine what was happening, but there's no indication that said, oh, no, no, he was, uh, how do you say this in English? Um, a smooth talker. Like there's no indication saying, no, Peter just, just like, he just says things, but he doesn't really intend it. No, he, as Dan said, the ear, <laughs> the ear slashing, I think he's like a guy of his word. Like he's like, I'm going to do this. So he's not, in, so he was really meaning it. His true love is there, but he still fell. At the moment of trial, he fell. So have you you related to this a bit? This is the other end of Judas. Judas was all actions. Peter is all love. Have you ever felt like you love Jesus and when you sing and praise to him, you have all these Hilson songs that say a lot about, I love you, God, and you love me back and still feel something is off? Because it happens. Have you been like... uh, Sometimes people tell... I've been heard like they say like, I just feel so bad. I mean, maybe I'm going to read the Bible twice. Maybe I'm going to read more time the Bible. Maybe I'm going to pray more. And they're just like anxious because they they have all this love for Jesus and they still feel like something is wrong, something is off. I have felt it. Because I've been in the side of uh, serving... Right, as I mentioned, I, I served in El Salvador for seven years in different things. Um, the reason uh, we left El Salvador was because we, um, I came to the United States to get a graduate degree. But I had to leave Tania, Mireya, Juan wasn't there yet. Thank God. It's too, uh, <laughs> too much. But It's too much. But Tania and Mireya, uh, w- I left them in El Salvador. Um, Tania made a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice. Um, and And... And I was a student again uh, with a student budget, and I wasn't going to church. It is how it is. I wasn't going to church, um, but it gave me some time to connect, so I was was maybe not serving, but I was all love. Like, God, I love you. I was reading my Bible twice a day because I had the time, because I was alone, right? I was praying a lot. I would just... um, uh, put my, my earphones, and, and, and whenever I used to walk, I used to walk a lot because bus was a little bit expensive for me. So I would just walk a lot and, and just hear a lot. Only, only Hillsong, only, exclusively. But it's still something was off. I was doing all these Christian things. I was trying to be an example with my friends that were not Christian. But even then, something was off. So you could have all this love for Jesus and still feel this anxiety, this ache. I don't know how to express it, but I, if you have felt it, you know what I'm talking about. You, you, that, that something is a little bit off, even though you really intend to help. You really intend to not deny Jesus. You really intend to die for him. You really do. And even then, when the time comes, sometimes it's something very simple as being at work. And like, uh, I don't know, someone tells, tells you something that irritates you and you're like, and you just let it go, like, oh, you such and such, or you're like, (laughs) sometimes it's something as simple, and and you go back and you're like, I just should have, I just shouldn't have. But it happens, it happens, we all fall. So, this is not the salvation way, maybe. Maybe it's not because you love Jesus that you get salvation, or maybe it is not because you do Christian things that you get salvation. And this is the and this is the reason in Mark is said twice, like Peter, Peter, no, sorry, Judas close, 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 twice. Peter love, love, really love, twice. But in the middle of that, in the middle of those two passages, like Judas, you're gonna betray me. You're super close. But you're gonna betray me. And Peter, you're gonna fall, even though you love me. In the middle is the Last Supper. The I hope the writer of Mark was trying to just frame it this way, in which he wants to put it in the center. What is gonna happen there? Now, I am, and it's difficult to me to medic in public, but I'm gonna just come out and I'm a nerd. Yes, I am. I am a nerd. I watch anime. I read manga. Yeah, you know, I play video games. (laughs) And to Nikolai's, uh, uh, yeah, Star Trek, I know. Yeah, I watch Star Trek. Star Wars 2, yeah, you don't like it that much, but I do. In any case, um, and as a nerd, I like to zero in on the details. That's, for me, the trademark of a nerd. Like, oh, you look something, and you're like, I really want to know about this. Maybe you're not a classic nerd. Maybe you're a music nerd. Maybe you're like, but, like, you you see one thing, and you want to zero in on it. So, for me, my nerdness uh, took me to focus on the fact that this is Passover, and this was like, like a big, uh, how do you say this? Um, my head blew up. Because in Spanish, the word Passover is, for Passover, is Pascua. Pascua in Spanish doesn't sound like anything. And, and Dan just told me recently that it actually sounds closer to the original Greek word. But since I don't know Greek, I don't speak Greek. For me, Pascua, the word means nothing. But in English, it's beautiful. At least that word is beautiful. Uh, Passover, yeah, Passover uh, means something. So I'll not read the whole thing, but I'll try to make an effort on summarize it. But this refers back to the Exodus, like when uh, the people of the Lord Israel were being captured by the Pharaoh, right? And the Pharaoh was not um, giving up. He went through all these plagues. Right, And then God told the people, hey, I'm going to go over you. And then he says, uh, I'm going to... Well, I'm not sure in this translation. i read a couple of translations. In my translation in Spanish, is used to say, he will send uh, the angel of the Lord that will go over them. In the translation I'm reading right now, it said that I will go down and I will take the firstborn of each uh, Egyptian. But he warns them, hey, I'm going to do this, so to avoid this death with my people, the ones I love, right, you have to do something. And that little something, it's, 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 it's a whole ritual. And, and he actually said that this is going to be an absurd day. So It's not a little thing. It's like, we're going to absurd this because it's going to be so much, so relevant to you. Um, we're going to sacrifice a lamb, right, and in that time they'll sacrifice it and they'll prepare it for a meal, And then with the blood of the lamb, you grab this little thing. You're going to soak it on it. And you're going to put it on your, how to say it, doorpost. I don't know English enough, but I'm going to try. So, yeah, so you, you have like the entry, right? So you're going to put the blood there. And that way, I, the Lord, will know you are mine. You are my guys. You are my people. And I'm gonna pass over you. I'm not like Pow. oh now it makes sense to me. So after seeing the blood, the God's gonna pass over them. He's not gonna actually go inside and do uh and inflict that death. He's actually gonna go over them. Right? So I don't know about you. You seem like, oh yeah, like, yeah wanna trust me, I was for me it was like revealing to me. <laughs> uh so but yeah, that's that's in summary what's gonna happen um for the Passover meal, the original one. So back in Mark, they're exactly at that time. And I, I don't know about you, but doesn't it doesn't feel like like a, just a simple coincidence that this whole thing that's going to unravel, the sacrifice of, of Jesus, and everything's going to happen right after the supper happens exactly at Passover meal. And I, uh, when I was preparing this, this, this sermon, Dan was super kind to me, and he sent me Gazillion pages of references. And he said, hopefully this is not an overload. Yes, it was. But (laughs) I read them all. And after I got a headache, um, (laughs) um, there's a lot of discussion there on on the timing. Like, oh, is the time? Because I I know since the Greeks used to count time like us, like, oh, sunset and and sundown, new day. But the, the Jewish people counted differently, so at it, it, the end days when the sun goes down and it starts right there. But the point being, the timing of this whole passage is exactly there. It's exactly when this happens, the Passover, the first day when you actually do again the sacrifice of the Lamb and you again engage in this whole remembrance on how uh, God uh, got his people out of um, slavery from Pharaoh. So in this line, I was just trying to, to make sense of this. And the thing that really struck me is how Jesus tries to make very clear that what he's doing is exactly the same thing. He's exactly doing the same thing. Before was, the what in, in Spanish, like the angel of God or the death, like this whole thing that God comes and kills. In this, in this time, what's going to kill you is Sin. And this is what this is what we deserve. Like we have sin. There's no one that has not sinned. And sin kills. And we're and it's it's, it's a loss. It's bounded to happen. As, as, large, as the Lord was passing judgment on the on the Egyptians, the Lord is gonna pass judgment on us because that's just fair. We have sinned. Sin leads to death. So, Jesus is double downing on that figure. Then, he's saying, uh, when he starts the ritual, he said, this is my body. He breaks the bread. This is my body. He is willingly giving his body. He's not saying, oh, you got my body, guys. No, no. He's like, he grabs the bread, he breaks it, and he willingly gives the body, the, his body to everyone. So, he's making an emphasis here like, hey, I am doing this because I want to do it. I am sacri- sacrificing myself for you. And then on verse 24, he says, this is my blood. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. So he's like, hey, as we have used the blood before in the past to cover you from the angel of God that kills, now this is my blood, not any blood, not the blood of a little lamb, not the blood of a pigeon, the blood of the son of God. God himself grabbed his own blood. And he put it on our door. And this will cover not only a single household, this will cover many households. This is powerful. So, trying to come back to Judas and Peter again. Judas, all actions, checks all the boxes. He was actually a very good Christian if you go through the actions themselves. Peter, all love. Oh yeah, I imagine he'll sing that hymns with all power. But that's not salvation either. Salvation comes exclusively from Jesus. And again, as it said twice that uh, Judas was close, and as it said twice that Peter was all love, here it says twice, I'm pouring my body, my body, I'm pouring my blood twice. In Passover day, not any other day, in Passover day, that I'm giving my blood for your salvation. Now, how this comes back to us? How does this come back to our day-to-day? Well, we forget about salvation. It is normal. We, Jesus already said it. We all fall. It's not like new. You shouldn't be surprised that you fall. It's just our nature to fall. He's not expecting us to gain our own salvation. That's not really how it's happened. He's saying, first, I'm going to give you salvation. I'm going to give you salvation. That's what Jesus is saying. He's going to give it to you. And it happens. Fall happens. Now, for some of you, you have a face like, yeah, that makes sense. That's pretty much obvious from the passage. And it's correct. It's like if you you put some time into it, if you go back home and read it again, you will see, yeah, it makes sense, some logical sense. Now, the thing that really caught me um, in this passage was, um, let's see... Verse 28, and that's the one that out of all those 12 to 31, that's the one that really uh, stood out. So it said, but after I'm raised up, so Jesus is saying, after I resurrect, I will go before you to Galilee. I found it odd because he's giving instructions just exactly here. Why isn't he giving instructions later? Or why isn't he said that, at at any other point. The point in which this is, is exactly after the supper. He's like, hey, I am instituting this action for your salvation. You will all fall. But what's going to happen next? I'll meet you in Galilee. I'll resurrect. I'll meet you there. And this blood that's freeing us first is allowing us to follow Him. And this is where we ought to go caught up with the whole, am I a Judas, am I a Peter? Because we're trying to do all these Christian things before thinking about our salvation. Salvation goes first. The blood comes first. The sacrifice of God Himself comes first. And then it comes following Him. So if you have felt that as Christian, if you have served, and it has self-empty because it happens. Or if you have loved Jesus, and you would sing all the songs you want, or pray to him, and you still feel off, and you still feel sinful, it's because maybe we have forgotten to do the right order. We try, we need to institute first this on us. Hey, he died first. He sacrificed himself for us, for our sins, that, are, that should be rightfully implied death to us, but he's saying, no, I'm not letting you die. Now what? You're not dying. What comes next? Galilee. Meet me there. Go with me. Come and let's do this. The thing we talk about during this whole chapter, see Mark, after you gain that salvation I'm going to give to you, then let's go there. So, this is my little bit I want to talk about today. It's just like, As Christians or as people that want to have salvation, we really, really forget this sometimes. Or I have at least. I'm not going to talk about you, but personally I have forgotten. I have served a lot. I have forgotten it. I have not served and sung a lot and loved Jesus a lot and still have forgotten it because it's normal. We all fall. But hey, let's not forget it. He died for us. He washes our sins with His blood. And then he's like, okay, let's do this, guys. Let's go to Galilee. Let's rock it. So that's it. And let us have um, a little prayer just to finalize. So please join me. Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving yourself to us. Thank you for insisting in saving us and making the biggest sacrifice in which... You willingly gave your own body. Willingly, you gave your blood that had the power to clean us, the power to save us. And let us not forget that if we're going to serve, we shouldn't forget your sacrifice you made. That serving, serving you, following you, following your steps, It's so much easier if you're reminded about the blood, about the sacrifice you made, that last supper that every Sunday we try to remember and that every Sunday we try to keep in mind so we can actually follow you to Galilee and to the rest of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.